This program is brought to you from Wisconsin Eyes Margaret Farrow Studio. Hello and welcome to Newsmakers. I'm your host, Lisa Pugh. Wisconsin Eye is kicking off 2023 with a series of interviews with key legislative leaders. Today we are talking with Senate Minority Leader Melissa Agar, Democrat from Madison, and Assembly Minority Leader Greta Neubauer, Democrat from Racine, both sharing with us kind of the vision for their Democratic caucuses across the chambers this year. So welcome to both of you. Thank you. Wisconsin, in an unprecedented time, that $6 billion plus surplus we keep hearing about, can you both quickly tick off kind of your top three fiscal priorities for use of that surplus? Yeah, absolutely. It is, as you said, an unprecedented time. So big three for us, making sure that we are recognizing the place that Wisconsin families find themselves with rising costs and doing what we can to support working families to make ends meet making sure that we listen to the people of Wisconsin who want that long-term investment in our public schools and making those investments. And then finally, we know that local governments have been stretched extremely thin, so funding local governments at the level that they can provide those really essential services. Those top three, do you agree? You have something different? Absolutely, I agree. You know, we, as you said, it's an unprecedented time to have this much money on the table. For the amount of time I've been in the legislature, one of the things that I hear from my colleagues on the other side the aisle who are in the majority is that's a great idea but we don't have the funds to finance it we're not going to be hearing that this session um, we need to get that money back into the hands of the people of our communities our local governments have been starved whether it's our school boards um, our county boards our municipalities um, the towns and the villages they need that money and we've seen that with the number of referendums that have been coming across uh, on a regular basis and that number is continuing to rise. Um, borrowing in order to run everyday um, business for our local governments is not sustainable. So we must be able to get that money back into our local governments, whether it's our schools um, or our counties who are on the front lines providing very needed human services to our families in the state of Wisconsin. And at the same point, we have the ability to also provide relief for the hardworking people of the state of Wisconsin. We don't have to be choosing. When you talk about relief, with the six hundred six billion dollar surplus does that mean we are collecting too much in taxes from Wisconsinites? You know I do think we have an opportunity to look at the way that we are taxing particularly working and middle-class families right we know um, that families are struggling with those rising costs we know that getting through the holiday season was hard for a lot of families in Wisconsin there, of course, are multiple proposals sort of on the table right now, which I'm sure we'll get into. But for us, it's focusing on the people who really need tax relief and making sure that we are targeting that to those who, for example, are having a hard time paying for child care or providing care to an elderly uh, relative. So Speaker Voss says should be a minimum of a $3.4 billion tax relief package. Is that the right amount? Too much? Not enough? I think it's really about making sure that we're putting forward a proposal that keeps Wisconsin in good fiscal shape in years to come. If we're talking about a significant um, decrease in tax collections, as would happen with a 3.5% flat tax proposal that would 
cut an estimated $4 billion of revenue from the state of Wisconsin annually, that's going to be a real challenge in years to come. That's going to mean we don't have the resources we need to fund essential services at every level of government. So to me, it's less about the dollar amount and more about are we making sure that this tax relief is going to the people who need it and it's setting us up in a good fiscal position for years to come. So is it one-time tax relief or is it systemic tax reform moving toward a flat tax? Um, so neither. <laughs> um, in a sense, well, it, it is reform. We need to think about how it is um, that we are supporting our local governments and supporting the hardworking families of the state of Wisconsin. Flat tax is not the answer. Um, not even fact, movement toward it? That, not even steps that's regressive. Um, I think one of the priorities that Representative Neubauer and I have is making sure that the hardworking people of the state of Wisconsin are able to have relief and our local governments are able to have that relief. Uh, we have had over a decade of relief to corporations and to wealthy people in the state of Wisconsin and at the national level. Um, and it's time for us to shine the spotlight on the people who are actually doing the work in the communities. Um, so yes, we do need to reform the system. We need to build a system that isn't dependent on bake sales to fund our schools, um, that isn't dependent on referendums to make sure that the snow is plowed in our streets on a, on a regular basis. And we need to make sure that people can afford to put gas in their car to take their kids to school so that they can get to work. Um, and that they're not borrowing on their own level to be able to um, take care of their families. And we have the ability to do that. Lisa, the devil is in the details with these policies. And at this point, our Republican colleagues are talking in bullet points. They're not sharing the details of how it is that this happens. But we know that the hardworking people of the state of Wisconsin have been on the losing end of these conversations for too long. And it's our jobs to hold our Republican colleagues accountable to make sure that everyone benefits. Because ultimately, these dollars were brought to the state by hardworking people in, in our communities. And we need to make sure that we're putting it back where it belongs. You both mentioned education as a priority. Both brought up the kind of the record number of school referendums that have been on the ballot. Speaker Voss has said that those referenda are an indicator that locals are deciding the priorities. That that's not a bad thing to have so many referenda on the ballot. Um, and others, as you've mentioned, say it's a sign that we're not providing enough funding school for schools. What percentage of that surplus should go to public schools? Yeah, so again, I think it's really a question of making sure that schools have what they need. I know the governor put forward in his budget priorities for this session, right, a significant increase in funding for special education. We know this is something that districts across the state struggle with to cover those costs. The governor is proposing raising the special education reimbursement from 30 to about 45 to 60 in the next biennium. That's the kind of thing that people are talking about when we see them in our communities, right? When we see them at the grocery store or have office hours. We know that locals really want to see investment in mental health for our young people, that so many young people are struggling right now. And it is critical that we make that $240 million investment that the governor proposed in mental health for our young people. Do you see a percentage of the surplus? What is it a majority of the surplus? Or, or how much funding do you think um, your caucus supports for public schools? Well, we haven't baked the cake, so to speak, when it comes to a percentage of the surplus that goes to our public schools. But we do know that this money has been robbed 
from our local governments and our public schools over the last decade. Um, our local governments are really where the rubber meets the road, where the good and important decisions are being made, whether it's expanding innovative services that would provide mental health within our schools, um, whether it's ensuring that there are literally enough chairs and classrooms for kids to be able to sit in, that they have technology that they're able to learn on appropriately. Additionally, making sure that we're compensating our school teachers for the professions, professionals that they are. Um, we absolutely need to be focusing on our public schools and supporting them. Um, and having that local control is very important. Um, different school boards are going to decide whether they not want to go to referendum or not. But at the same point, it's costing the people of the state of Wisconsin more money by going to referendum time and time again as opposed to actually um, adequately funding our schools and our local governments. Uh, Wisconsin, as you know, home to the nation's oldest school voucher system, a system that's likely not going away. Uh, Republican colleagues have said that they would like some expansion of school choice. Do you see any compromise with your caucus on some expansion for school choice if public school funding is increased? Mm -hmm. Well, what I'll say is that long term, having two school systems that are funded by the taxpayers is just not viable. One of those school systems is accountable to the public via an elected school board, and one is not. And one, the private system, does not need to meet the needs of every student. And so we want to focus on funding those schools that do serve the entire community, that have to, by statute, serve every kid. Um, and that's where we think we can find common ground because we know that people across the state of Wisconsin agree on that, as demonstrated by the many, many referendums that have happened over the last couple of years. So you don't see any sort of compromise between expansion of the choice voucher system? Not in my caucus as well. Um, we are not adequately taking care of our public schools and our public school system, and we need to roll up our sleeves and reinvest and make that a priority for people um, in the legislature in the same way that it's a priority for people in our communities. Um, you know, there's been an awful lot of talk of compromise um, from folks in the majority party, but compromise isn't the people in power coming to the people that don't have power and saying, this is what you're going to do, and we're going to call this compromise. Compromise is actually being able to sit at a table and have a conversation about how it is that we move forward. And if we're all in agreement that we need to do more for our public schools, then let's have that conversation and let's do more for our public schools. You've mentioned, uh, Senator Agard, uh, the need for funding for local government and local communities. It's a main priority for the governor, for both parties, it, it seems. Um, let's talk about what that looks like. According to the Wisconsin Policy Forum, appro appropriations for the shared revenue program, which is the main funding source for local governments, have declined over the years, even as income tax revenues have increased. As inflation has increased, local governments report reducing funding for some essential services, including police and EMS. You see on this graph, uh, shared revenue has remained mostly flat over the last few decades. Governors proposed a $100 million increase in shared revenues. Is that a right, is the right amount? Do you support that amount? Should it, should it be more? Well, what I know, um, having served on the Dane County Board of Supervisors, and just last week actually having listening sessions in my district with local elected officials of all levels, um, town boards, um, county boards, school boards, um, even the Dane County Treasurer came um, to the listening session, and the drumbeat was in unison from every single one of them. They do not have the resources in order to take care of the communities that people in the communities are 
are desiring, that they're asking for, and really hard decisions are having to be made. And we are at the point in time that um, our public safety is on the line. We've seen our schools really be challenged by the lack of input from, the, from our state government and our state resources. What we heard through this election cycle, um, with the election just this past November, was that public safety is something that is very important. But we have um, police departments, EMS departments, and fire departments that are not fully staffed because we as a state are not funding the services that they're providing. If we are going to deliver upon the promise of providing safe communities for everyone so that they can thrive and their families can um, know that they can go to a park and um, have fun with their kids or um, take a walk or, or go to a parade, we need to make sure that we are providing services to our local governments at all levels. So the governor's proposal, that $100 million, relies on using the surplus. It's mm -hmm. kind of one-time funding. Mm -hmm. Does the shared revenue formula need to be reformed to provide more sustainable increases? Yeah. And what, what does that look like? Yeah, it's a great question. And there, of course, are a number of proposals being discussed right now in Madison. Um, it is something that I think we all see a need for in our communities, and I am optimistic that we'll be able to make some progress this year because rural, suburban, urban, every community is feeling the impacts of this stagnant funding. So um, I think there are a couple of different options that we need to look at. We do need to sales look tax. at long-term solutions. I think we can talk about sales tax, right? The challenge there, of course, is it's not the same every year, <laughs> right? And you can't predict exactly how much is going to come in. And local governments do need to be able to plan, right, for years to come. If they have to say to the folks at their public health department, sorry, if a recession comes, we're not going to be able to provide these services to the community, that's not acceptable, right? So I think a couple options on the table, we're open to those conversations and just making sure that we have a stable and sufficient source of revenue now and in the future. Do you support diverting 1% one per, one of the sales tax to shared revenue? Um, I support having conversations where we're all at the table. Um, some of the conversations that I have heard from folks on the other side is tying these discussions to other policy. Um, and I think it's important that we are all there talking about the details of what, what that will look like. Um, and you know, when I hear my colleagues on the other side of the aisle saying our local governments need to cut more, and literally you look at their budgets and the creativity that they have gone um, forward with and ensuring that their communities have what they need for the last decade, they're down to the bone. Um, we are not the type of state that really prioritizes amputation of services um, to our communities. Um, we're better than that, and um, frankly, with over $6 billion on the table, as well as our traditional budget, um, I very much believe that we need to look at our funding formulas and um, think about long-term sustainable solutions. Uh, shifting gears, do you think that the legislature and the governor can agree on updates to Wisconsin's 1849 abortion law, or should it be decided in the courts? We, of course, will exhaust every legislative option and continue to have conversations with our colleagues to see if there's movement that we can make to restore um, rights to the roughly 50% of the population right, who lost the right to make fundamental health care decisions in the last year. Um, 
I think we all have a little bit of skepticism that we'll be able to move forward with a full restoration of those rights through the legislature. And frankly, that is because of our gerrymandered maps, right? We have overwhelming public support um, for Wisconsinites to have access to an abortion in all or most cases, but that is simply not reflected in the legislature because of the gerrymander. So we will continue to look at every option to restore those rights to Wisconsinites. Should there be a statewide referendum on this issue? Um, well, frankly, we know that the vast majority of the people in the state of Wisconsin, as Representative Neubauer pointed out, support a person's individual freedoms and liberties to make their private health care decisions. Um, I would welcome a statewide referendum um, if it was binding on this issue and on a number of other issues, because I know, again, that the people support um, support us moving forward and um, repealing this 1849 abortion ban from our state statutes. Um, I very much support, additionally, um, our Attorney General's lawsuit that is moving through the courts here um, because I think that matches the will of the people. This isn't just a Wisconsin issue. Um, certainly we saw these conversations across the nation and red states and blue states have codified access to abortion for the people in their communities. Um, this isn't about Democrats or Republicans. This is about morality and um, supporting individuals' abilities to make their own very private um, and personal health care decisions. Do you anticipate either of you that members of your caucus would vote for updates to the 1849 law that include exceptions for rape and incest, or, or are they pretty clear um, in, in not going with that? Yeah, so in my conversations with my caucus at this point, people would not support um, making amendments. It's, we, need to, we need to go back um, to our, our row days um, when people had the ability to make their own very private health care decisions. Um, you know, things change, uh, but based on the conversations with all the members of my caucus, that's where we stand right now. Same. Yeah, you know, our caucus, again, like the people of Wisconsin, remains focused on that full restoration of rights. And as one of the people, right, who is impacted by this change in law, um, you know, that's, that's what I'm hearing from the people of my community, that's what I'm hearing from my caucus, is we'll remain focused on that long-term goal. All right. Let's talk about what happened in November in the last election and some of the shifts in seats across the legislature. Republicans gained a seat and achieved a supermajority in the state Senate. There's one seat back on the ballot this April with the retirement of Senator Alberta Darling. So we'll see what happens there. In the Assembly, Republicans gained three seats and are just two votes from a supermajority. Both have said legislative maps drawn by Republicans are gerrymandered. Do you believe that those maps are 100% to blame for those loss of seats? Absolutely. Um, we have been a gerrymandered state for two cycles of um, redrawing of district lines in the state of Wisconsin. And um, when you gerrymander on top of a gerrymander, it makes it even harder. It is vitally important that we restore the ability for people in our communities to be able to choose their elected officials as opposed to creating a scenario like we have in Wisconsin where elected officials are choosing their constituents. We've seen, seen nationally states that have gone forward with pragmatic, nonpartisan redistricting processes where things have leveled out. Um, here in Wisconsin, when you see your statewide offices, the people that are on the ballot at the top, um, overwhelmingly trending to be um, democratic, um, but at the legislative level, it's two to one um, Republican um, seats to Democratic seats in, in both of our houses virtually. Um, 
it doesn't take much to connect the dots. And um, it's unfortunate that we find ourselves in these situations, but we also know that there's a really important election um, coming up in Wisconsin in April when it comes to our Supreme Court. And our Supreme Court in Wisconsin takes up these very vital issues, whether it's um, redistricting, whether it's abortion rights, whether it's supporting our public schools. These are the issues um, that are on the line with this election in April, and I believe all eyes are going to be on that here in the state of Wisconsin as well as nationally. You don't think there are any other factors to why you lost seats in the assembly? It's all about the maps? Well, you know, as Melissa said, when every election at the statewide level is right around 50 percent, and ours are closer to two to one, right? A third of votes for Democrats in the same elections where Democrats at the statewide level are getting about 50%. It just doesn't add up, right? That's the fundamental baseline. Of course, there is always more that we can do to connect with voters across the state to talk about the issues that we're working on, the policies that we've passed, to make sure people understand what Democrats are doing in Madison and what they're fighting for. Um, but at the end of the day, we would be competing for a majority if we had fair maps in Wisconsin in the State Assembly and the State Senate. What do you think Democrats can do differently to reach particularly rural voters? Are there any changes or any, any differences in messaging? Absolutely. So I'm not sure if it's differences in messaging because Ultimately, at the end of the day, people in Wisconsin want to know that the water that comes out of their tap is safe to drink and that it's safe to bathe their babies in it. They want to know that their energy is going to turn on um, when it's cold out and their air conditioner is going to turn on when it's, um, when it's warm out. They want to know that um, they have access to health care. Um, they're asking us to legalize cannabis. Um, they want us to fund our public schools. These are Wisconsin's values. I would say what we need to do as Democrats um, is make ourselves available to people people in the two-thirds of the state that aren't represented by Democrats in the state of Wisconsin. We need to be connecting with people in new ways. Um, if we're going to argue that the lines of our districts are gerrymandered and arbitrary, then we need to be comfortable moving outside of those lines and engaging with people across the state of Wisconsin, hearing directly their stories um, and helping to lift up what it is that we are doing in the state of Wisconsin on their behalf, building those coalitions and building trust. Um, that's the Wisconsin way, right? Generations ago, we helped each other build barns. Um, we still make casseroles for one another when our neighbors are sick. We walk each other's dogs, pick each other's kids up from school when we're not able to do that. We see each other. And being able to build on that compassion, being able to see each other and hear each other, regardless of where it is we live in the state of Wisconsin, is only going to benefit Democrats in our state. Do you see making any changes to try to gain back some of those seats in the assembly? Yeah, so we have a number of policies that benefit people across the state, but focus on rural areas, right? Those include making sure that people have access to broadband. The governor has done really incredible work in increasing access in many parts of the state, but there's still work to do. We know that the policies we've put forward benefit small farmers, benefit those communities that are struggling to provide those essential services like EMS or fire when their population is declining, right? We've got really good policies policies to address those issues and make life better for people in rural communities. Um, as Melissa said, it's just making sure that we get out there and we commun communicate that with people around the state. And we have ambitious plans to do that through the budget process and the remainder of the legislative session to make sure that despite sometimes constricting local media, right, or not representing an area, we're communicating with everyone across the state about how our policies would make their life better. 
that matters in election season, but it also matters in those folks showing up to their town halls for their local representatives and making sure that they keep on the pressure. How would you both describe your communication and strategizing with the Governor Evers' office over the last four years, and how would you hope it would change in the next four? Well, we are all um, independent legs of a stool that need to stand straight and tall with each other in order to make sure that our state continues to move forward. You know, certainly I wasn't the leader um, over the last cycle, um, but now I am in that capacity and have had the opportunity to meet with the governor and the governor's staff, bring the governor's staff in to meet with my caucus. Um, and there is a desire to have heightened communication and more collaboration um, than what we have had in the past. Now, that being said, I think the governor has done an amazing job. Um, we just navigated a pandemic, um, unlike uh, I don't ever want to see again, right? And my grandparents can't remember um, life like that at any point. Um, so. They have done they have done a really wonderful job, but I think that we can always look forward and think about ways that we can um, lift each other up and communicate more with one another. Room for improvement with relations with the governor's office. We've had really good uh, communications and relationships since I um, became the leader. You know, we really share the same goals doing the right thing for the people of Wisconsin and looking wherever we can to find opportunities to actually move forward substantive policy. You know, we all are responsible to our constituents um, and particularly in this time in which so many people are disillusioned with politics, really feel that it is incumbent on us to demonstrate that government can and must be a force for good in people's lives. So we are aligned on that. We've had great conversations moving into the budget cycle about the top priorities there and our caucus looks forward to collaborating in the session to come. How often have you been met with um, Assembly Speaker Voss in the last year? Um, we've been in regular communication since the session restarted, um, having good conversations about the places where hopefully we are able to um, find some agreement and move forward on, on some policy. for More hopeful than in the past? You know, I'm pretty new in the role still, uh, and so I came in at the end of the last session when we're in that crazy period and a million bills are passing, and frankly, it's tough to really sit down and have the substantive conversations about policy that impacts Wisconsin sort of long term at that point, but I am hopeful. Um, I think both parties came back from this election recognizing that we've got divided government, right? And we need to make use of this four years. We cannot sit on our hands and we need to address the pressing issues facing Wisconsinites. Senate Majority Lemahue, are you expecting regular meetings? Um, so I've had the opportunity to meet with uh, Majority Leader Lemahue as well as Senate President Kapenga. Um, we've exchanged cell phone numbers, have made a commitment to um, reach out to each other and meet with each other on regular basis is we want things to work well. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, we vote for different people at the top of the ticket. Um, there's different things that we decide are our priorities. There are going to be areas where we disagree with one another, um, but we want things to work well. Um, and we are all there because we love the state of Wisconsin. Um, and I am hopeful that um, we can put some of the divisiveness from days past behind us, and we can try and find ways that we can focus on lifting up our communities. You know, there's the agreement that we need to do more to um, invest and support our local communities and how it is that we um, lift up the hardworking people of the state of Wisconsin. Um, I'm ready to get to work, and I'm hearing from them that they are as well. Uh, so I'm going to ask you, maybe you've already answered this, if you could pick just one issue that you think has the most potential for bipartisan agreement in this session, what would it be? I'll start here. 
Well, we've talked about it a lot, but I do think it's shared revenue. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm hearing from people across the state, right? Again, every representative, every senator, I think, has heard from their local governments and the people in their communities about how stagnant funding has impacted them. So I am hopeful about that, and I do think it's sort of um, both incredibly substantive <laughs> and possible for us to address. And so that's, that's exciting. Shared revenue, the debate will be about how much and how. Absolutely. Um, we know that our schools are a priority for everyone. We know that public safety um, is a priority for people in the state of Wisconsin. All of those fall under the umbrella of shared revenue, lifting up our local governments, ensuring that our kids um, have a good future um, and that our families are able to be um, prosperous and reach for their dreams. Uh, we can address that. What do you expect to be the hardest part of your job in the coming year? Oh. A good question. Um, you know, I think we are balancing many priorities at the same time. We know that there are things that we can get done this session and we'll continue to try to find all of those opportunities. We also have to put forward our long-term vision, right? Everything that we want to accomplish this session, unfortunately, will not get passed. And so it's continuing to communicate about that vision for Wisconsin, what we think people need and deserve. And then, of course, it's upholding the governor's veto and making sure that we are holding the line if Republicans propose bills that move our state backwards or that further undermine our rights or our democracy. Hardest part of your job this year, you're new in your job. I think that the hardest part of the job is really not being distracted by the shiny objects and making sure that everyone is paying attention to the details of the policies um, and the details of what needs to happen in order for us to move the ball forward for the people of the state of Wisconsin. Um, it's really easy um, to raise your fists up and say no or to raise your arm up and say yes, um, but to understand why and to help the people of our communities understand why it is that we're taking the positions that we are. Um, that is hard work, uh, but it's very important work. Sometimes being in the minority can be a thankless job. How do you keep your spirits up? You know, we're all very lucky in that we get to spend a lot of time in our communities as well, going to events that celebrate the good things that are happening or visiting a small business that received funds during the COVID-19 pandemic, talking to students about the things they're learning in school. Um, those are amazing moments, right, of getting to see, again, the impact of government in people's lives and the opportunity that we do have um, by getting things done in Madison to really um, change the life of a kid or, or someone in our community. So that is very helpful to me, and I have to make sure to spend enough time in the district. <laughs> Strategies for keeping your hope alive in 2023? Yeah, very much like what Greta just said. Um, I am most hopeful when I'm spending time outside of the Capitol building in my community and in communities across the state of Wisconsin, where I'm able to hear about what people's dreams are um, and being able to carry those stories that they're sharing with me back into the Capitol building and remind myself, my staff, um, and my amazing colleagues in the legislature about why it is that we're doing what we do. Well, thank you both for joining us. We wish you a wonderful 2023. Thank you. Thank you. To you, too. And thank you to the viewers of Newsmakers. Be sure to tune in again as we sit down with the decision makers and highlight the issues that make a difference for all of us. This program is a production of Wisconsin Eye, an independent, nonpartisan, nonprofit media network with a mission to inform, educate, and engage the citizens of Wisconsin. Wisconsin Eye is the nation's first and only independently funded state civics broadcast network, providing gavel-to-gavel -gavel access to government proceedings and events at the state capitol.